Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Uh, Two man car. I don't see Paul Clay yet, but I think he's going to be coming on. My partner in. Uh, in the Gospel of Jesus Christ here on Mondays. My name is Jesse Romero. Before we start, I want to just mention a few things about the month of December that we celebrate. Remember the month of December, we celebrated the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. We also celebrated Our Lady of Guadalupe's apparitions, the four apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States of America, in 1846, the U.S. bishops chose Mary under this title as patroness, and that choice was approved by Pope Pius IX in 1847. Also, Our Lady of Guadalupe is a patroness of the Americas as well. That is, North, Central, and South America. She's also the patroness of the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. Our Lady of Guadalupe encouraged us to have complete trust in her, as she takes us to her son. And also in the United States, we're confronting a lot of serious moral issues in the Supreme Court. Uh, keep uh, the Supreme Court in prayer. We have many Catholics in the Supreme Court, and let's hope that they do the right thing. Again, during the season of Advent, let's implore the intercession of Our Lady under the title of the Immaculate Conception and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let's continue praying for the conversion of the soul of the United States and let's keep asking Our Lady for her maternal protection. I see my partner, Paul Clay, two-man car. Paul, welcome. I'm 10-8. What about you? Ready to go, Jess. I want to talk about uh, the spiritual abuse that seems to be continuing in the Catholic Church. Great article written by a great theologian, Eric Sammons. And uh, he does a great job of defending the, the, the traditional Mass with charity. He says that Pope Francis continues his war... On the traditional celebration of the sacraments, this morning, a week before the Christmas, the Congregation for Divine Worship issued a response to a question concerning the implementation of Traditionis Custodius. That's the Pope's July motu proprio. That means by his own authority that sought to restrict the traditional Latin Mass and traditional forms of the other sacraments. These new directives are startling in their reach. They eliminate traditional confirmations, ordinations. They forbid a priest from celebrating both the Novus Ordo Mass and traditional Latin Mass on the same weekday and require even the Latin Mass only priests like those of the FSSP to can celebrate a Novus Ordo Mass. By the way, that's not their tradition. The pretense that a, that a diocesan bishop has authority over the liturgy in his diocese is finally discarded. And like the original motu proprio, that, that uh, word means by my, by my own authority, when a pope writes that. And the letter that accompanied it, these responses make the pope's goal clear. The pope wants to eliminate the old Roman rite, the mass that's been around for 1,600 years, and he appears to be growing impatient to see it happen. There's only one way to put this. Eric Sammons writes, these are wicked commands. 
It might be diplomatic to try to sugarcoat this, but at a time of war, diplomacy is set aside. And make no mistakes, this is a war. And it's been declared by the Pope himself on any Catholic with an attachment to the old forms of the Roman liturgy. To pretend, as the Congregation for Divine Worship responses do, that this is somehow for the good of souls is a lie. We should no longer gloss over. Further, these are petty and vindictive commands. They resemble a Soviet purge of dissidents conducted in 1988. The walls are crumbling around the church, and instead of trying to repair them, the Pope and the Vatican are tearing down the one solid wall so it can match the rest. The fact that these directives were issued a week before Christmas only magnifies their pettiness. Paul, you want to jump on the next paragraph and then we'll comment. Yeah, a lot to comment on. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, a friend said that he believed Pope Francis was a spiritually abusive father. I instinctively cringed. To my innate Catholic sense, such language was inappropriate to be directed at the Holy Father. But I can't see how his actions regarding the old right can be seen as anything other than abusive. Wow. Um, an abusive father is a master at manipulation. He makes his children think that they are the problem. He warps reality so that they think they deserve their abuse. And if they dare challenge it, he casts them as unloving and divisive uh, family members. His children live in a constant state of self-doubt and confusion. This is how the Holy Father treats those of his children who are attached to the old ways. If they find their spiritual life enriched by attending the TLM, he suggests they have schismatic tendencies. If they find their parish mass to be unfulfilling in its entrenched mediocrity, mediocrity, he accuses them of rejecting Vatican II. Then they complain at his unjust treatment of them. He says that proves they need further correction. It's spiritual abuse, plain and simple. Attendance at traditional Latin masses has grown tremendously in the last decade, particularly in the last two decades. What has fueled this growth? Is it a sudden desire to reject Vatican II? Is it a swift increase in feelings of nostalgia? I don't think so. I've spoken to many other people in the many people in the last uh, year who started attending the traditional Latin Mass only recently. I found that they are not the nostalgic anti-Vatican II rad trad stereotype pushed by the Vatican. When these newcomers think about Vatican II, which isn't often, they see it as a historical event, not a super council that must dominate their entire Catholic life. They do not consider the 1950s an immaculate error to which we must return. They are just regular Catholics trying to live their Catholic faith in an age of confusion. They simply desire to draw closer to Christ as they find that the Latin Mass is far, far better facilitates that than their experiences at the diocesan parish. Most of them have good friends and and fond memories of their old parishes 
but they simply could not grow in their faith anymore, where the liturgy was celebrated in a casual manner with greater concern for COVID protocols than liturgical protocols. These newcomers are now embarking on an ideological jihad against modernism. They just, oh, <clears throat> they are not embarking on an ideological jihad against modernism. They just want to reverently and beautifully worship the Lord. Let's stop right there, Jess. <laughs> Man, that's a lot, Paul. Let me tell you the, the, stuff, that, the stuff that jumps out at me, which was yeah. masterful. Mm. Uh, where he says, in the third paragraph, or second paragraph, he says, These petty and vindictive commands, they resemble a Soviet purge of dissidents conducted in 1988. The walls are crumbling around the church, and instead the Pope is trying to tear down the one wall that's solid, which is a TLM. And the fact that these directives were issued a week before Christmas only magnifies their pettiness. Uh, that that right there, Paul, it basically says it all. Uh, this is this is uh, basically to finish off the work of the modernist to eradicate anything before 1965, and to do this the week before Christmas. Yeah, and to, and to do it with such a heavy hand. This is uh, this to me, Father, is not a fatherly act. Yeah, Jess. Uh, one verse comes to mind of sacred scripture to me. And it's a brother offended is harder won than a strong city. If this doesn't offend brothers, I don't know what does, you know. And if the goal would be to bring unity and to, uh, you know, to, you know, unite uh, us Catholics under just one banner, you don't do it by doing one of the most highly offensive things that you could ever do. Because if you do, that brother will be harder won than a strong city. That's right. And, and I like where Eric Sammons writes. Uh, he says, an abusive father is a master at manipulation. He makes his children think they are the problem. That We call that gaslighting. He, mm -hmm. warps, he warps reality so that they think they deserve their abuse. And if they dare challenge it, he casts them as unloving and divisive family members. His children live in a constant state of self-doubt and confusion. We get these uh, constant uh, a, a little um, dis descriptions by the Holy Father. He says, uh, some of you are too rigid. Some of you are, are, are too, uh, uh, yeah, he's actually used the word conservative. Uh, and, and so it, he's making us question our sanity like, wow, if we believe, if we have a, an attachment to the Mass before 1965, I guess we must be crazy. Again, that's gaslighting, making people live. Uh, you know, an abusive father will manipulate somebody and make them question their own sanity. And that's what he's making us question. You people that are attached to anything before 1965, you kind of need to have your heads examined. That's the way I yes. see the way he's acting. I don't even look at it like that. I, You know, I like the part uh, uh, where, you know, listen. It's not all of a sudden that a bunch of people want to get nostalgic and say, let's go to the Latin Mass. You know, it's like collecting an old car, you know, a classic car. We're in the old cars, you know. No, it's not that at all. It's a desire for Christ. It's a desire to worship him as God and to give him all the glory possible. Amen. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Stick around. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Hope you're having a happy Holy Advent as we uh, wait in joyful hope for the first Advent, the first celebration uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We call that in the Nativity. We call that Christmas Day. We're talking about the... uh, the spiritual abuse that seems to be happening right now with people that have a love for the Latin Mass, like myself, by the way, and Paul Clay, many of us here in VMPR.org. I think people go to the Latin Mass not because, you know, they have, uh, you know, they believe uh, that, uh, you know, fond memories back of the 40s and 50s. I can't remember the 40s and 50s. I was born in 1961. I think a lot of people just go to the Latin Mass because they want to, res- because they love Jesus and they want the, the, to receive Jesus in the most reverent and beautiful manner possible. And uh, let's just be honest, the Latin Mass, this is where countless, countless saints were formed for centuries, for 1,600 years. In fact, yep. Pope, Pope Benedict said this, quote, What earlier generations held as sacred remains sacred and great for us too. And it cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful, close quote. So to say that Catholics are being harmed by attending the Latin Mass and that it thus must be eliminated undermines the entire Catholic religion, Paul? Yes, Jess. Um, I think also one of the reasons that people seek out the Latin Mass is because of the structure, the consistency. It's like a child, Jess, who, you know, uh, these children that are just all over the map, what they're lacking is structure and they want structure. A lot of people think like, you know, if a child doesn't have structure in their life, they're all over the place. Right. And I, that's how I found myself, you know, when, when, you know, when attending Novus Ordo masses, I'm looking and shopping around trying to find, you know, uh, uh, you know, a priest who I know is going to celebrate the mass, you know, in a reverent manner, uh, you know, who's going to uh, give me uh, a Christ-centered uh, homily instead of, you know, just with the with the traditional Latin mass, you don't have to do that. You kind of know what you're going to get. And uh, because of the structure, you know, it, it's always centered on Christ. And that's what, what I, uh, why I think people are seeking out the t- uh, traditional Latin Mass. Paul, the, tr- the, the Latin Mass, because of the structure, it doesn't really requ- it doesn't require like the personality of the priest because right. it's, built, it's built around the beautiful prayers and the beautiful reverent actions of the priest that are right. already that are already dictated in the in, in, in the order of the mass. But oftentimes when you turn the priest around in the Novus Ordo Mass, he's looking at the people. That's uncomfortable. That's why they start cracking jokes. They start saying, hey, well, let's, uh, whose birthday is it? Let's sing happy birthday. Because they're facing the people for an hour. So oftentimes they almost think that they have to perform. Yes. And that's, that's, we're in the yes. Mass. They're like, they're not performing for the people. It's the action, oh, yes. it's the action of Christ offering himself to, yes. to the father and yes. the priest. The, so the priest, it's, it's not about, it's not about our responses or the people. The priest is, is, is standing in the gap for us in persona Christi yes. offering the sacrifice to the father. This is what people seem to forget. Yeah. 
you know, I, 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 you, you nailed it, Jess. You know, that is exactly what's going on there. And when you talked about the, it's almost like a performance, you know, when the mass was turned around and the priest, uh, it, you know, began to face the people, uh, he began to do a little navel gazing, I think. He starts looking at himself and wondering, hey, you know, uh, you got a lot of eyes on me. I, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, put on a good show tonight and a good performance. Mm -hmm. That's how, by the way, that's what Protestantism does. By the way, um, the higher Protestant churches understand that, you know, as the minister stood up and he had that robe on, that he wasn't important. He would put a robe on, uh, you know, to, to say that, look, it, now I'm speaking to you as a minister of God and not just as a man. And as you can see, as the, the, the degradation of Protestantism, now, you know, they get up there and, 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 you know, wear all kinds of costumes that they want, some casual, some, you know, dressed to the nine, so to speak, and they are performing. You know, you can't tell me that you can't turn on Joel Osteen and tell me that's not a performance, you know, complete with a, a worship team, you know, uh, with a, which essentially is like a rock band sometimes, you know, in, in many of these churches. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, and, and you, you know, because you ran those circles for many years, so it's not like many. Paul, Paul's not saying something that he doesn't know from experience. So, Paul, uh, the, Eric Sammons writes this. He says, if this mass was spiritually enriching for Catholics in the 1920s, then it cannot be declared spiritually harmful for Catholics in the 2020s. Otherwise, we must question the very foundations of our faith. We become functional Mormons, believing there was a great apostasy in the church that was only lifted with the coming of Vatican II. Such an attitude is an anti-Catholic is anti-Catholic to the core, for it rejects the role of tradition in the church. That's a That's brilliant right. argument. I've never heard oh, of yeah. it before. Well, listen, Jess, you and I both know that the successors of the apostles are entrusted to be faithful to the deposit of faith, not to add to it, not to change it, but to faithfully transmit the deposit of faith as it was given to us. Uh, and that is what we see now that, uh, you know, it seems to, you know, have gotten away from that. You know, Jess, you mentioned to me that, um, uh, uh, that uh, the people almost, how come they don't get it? You said that sometimes our leaders seem blind. Uh, and, and, you know, and I pointed out to you that, listen, during the first advent of Jesus, he rebuked the blind, you know, the Pharisees for being blind guides. As we draw nearer to the second advent of Christ, we the church finds itself in the same predicament where we are infested with blind guides who have all kinds of motivations besides the right ones. I'm not saying that there aren't some good, faithful uh, shepherds out there, under shepherds out there, Jess. But what I'm saying is, is that it seems to me that as a whole, the large majority of them have lost their way. At I least would, in this country, in my yeah, experience. Yeah, in, yeah, in the West, Paul, and I think because they become too flabby. What I mean by that, you find the Eastern bishops in the Middle East and uh, in the Orient, in communist countries, you seem to find that those bishops uh, toe the line of the Catholic Church no matter what happens. But yes. the ones in the West, Paul, with mansions and, 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 and residents that, you know, that uh, are comparable to any... Uh, Italian mafia mobster, I mean, you know, waitresses, butlers, uh, I mean, 
it, it makes them flabby, Paul. And, and yes, and, and it makes fat. <laughs> Yes, it makes them. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the children of Israel when they wanted the leeks and onions of uh, of Egypt. You know, they wanted to go back, and they remembered. You know, when they had you know, you know, the food, and you know, they didn't understand the value of freedom and freedom to worship God. And you know, they wanted to go back to oppression. And by and then, and by the way, these I think uh, a lot, of, like you said, a lot of them have grown fat and comfortable. The church yeah. thrives, Jess. It flourishes when the heat is turned up. The blood of the martyrs is seed for the church. How many times have we heard that? Yep, yeah, but well, we're seeing the heat turn up right now because we see, again, yeah. the globalist uh, Great Reset people, along with uh, uh, many of our bishops and those in the Vatican, uh, they seem to be turning up the heat, all, all of them, against us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need a, yeah. a good purge. We need a purge, Jess. Well, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening yeah. right in our midst. Uh, yeah. Eric Eric writes, and and to those who say that the rad trads deserve this by their rejection of Vatican II or their schismatic tendencies, there's no different than blaming abused kids for daring to speak out against their father. If there are certain elements within the traditional movement who are acting contrary to Catholicism, then it would be simple. It would be a simple matter to censure those individuals, but to eliminate the mass of the ages. Because some who attend it are problematic would mean we should eliminate the Novus Ordo Mass because of individuals like Father James Martin. And let's not forget the context in which these directives have been issued. We're in the midst of a free fall in the Catholic Church with millions of people leaving the church every year. We're living in a global crisis with, with world economies falling and government, governments instituting authoritarian laws. Yet somehow the great challenge for the church, according to Pope Francis, is that the small number of traditional Catholics is getting bigger. I hope and pray that bishops worldwide simply ignore these latest directives. It wouldn't be the first time Vatican commands have been discarded. Canon 87 states that a, quote, a bishop, a diocesan bishop, whenever he judges that it contributes to their spiritual good, is able to dispense the faithful from universal and particular dis disciplinary laws issued for his territory or his subjects by the supreme authority of the church. I can tell you here in Phoenix, Canon 87 has been imposed because the Latin Mass is thriving here in diocesan parishes. And in fact, we're even getting the second FSSP parish being built here downtown. It should be done in about another month. So we'll have two FSSP options. And you have at least a dozen regular uh, Novus Ordo parishes that also ha have the Latin Mass here. So uh, I can tell you that this bishop has invoked Canon 87. One thing I, I do know, Catholics must pray and fast for the church. And I don't just mean traditional Catholics who are directly impacted by the Congregation for the Doctrine of Worship's responses. All Catholics of goodwill must pray and fast that our Holy Father stops being an abusive father, works for our spiritual good, and ends his war against tradition. Paul? Yeah, what a bold statement. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, yeah, uh, uh I know love hopes all things, and I see there's a there's that virtue of hope that Eric is putting forth, uh, Jess. And I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but uh, uh, absent, uh, you know, God pouring out His grace and taking some of these hearts of stone and making them into hearts of flesh of some of our leaders, uh, you know, dare I say, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, it, you know, if the if the what we've seen, the tendency that we've seen with the, you know, uh, U.S. Catholic bishops, uh, they have, you know, uh, as a whole been um, 
pretty much uh, going with the flow of everything that uh, has been spooned out from the Vatican. Uh, so I don't mean to be, uh, you know, sound a little bit uh, skeptical here, but Jess, um, uh, we, I, I think what he said is we need to pray. And, 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 you know, we're in a serious moment right now, and uh, we just need to pray. I'll tell you, Paul, there's um, 14 bishops in the U.S. that are pro-homosexual, 14. Now, we know that because all their names were and faces were plastered on a good article by LifeSite News with, yes. their own, with their own statements promoting and advocating for homosexual, uh, you know, advocating yes. for that type of lifestyle. This, well... You could you you know that those fourteen are going to be dissenters. They're going to dissent from anything that's orthodox. How do why do I say that? Saint Jerome back in the fourth century says, "It's rare to find a heretic that loves chastity." Mm. What once a prelate breaks his vows of chastity, he's going to start espousing heresy. We'll be wow. back. Jesus, yeah, Jesus nine one one. We're going to hear a, a clip from Patrick Coffin, a message to the U.S. Bishop. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. Pray for us. Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay, two lovers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and two lovers of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and two men that are... uh, just defenders of Holy Mother Church. I want you to hear a clip from Patrick Coffin. It's the video message that he offered to the bishops uh, at the at the Enough Is Enough conference uh, last month, when when the U.S. bishops were meeting in Baltimore, Maryland. He had choice words for the pro homosexual cabal in the hierarchy. Mister Engineer, can you play the clip, the entire clip? Greetings, my fellow far right, ultraviolent nutbar extremists who love Jesus and want to make him loved better. It's an honor to join you remotely at this historic Enough is Enough rally. None of the speakers necessarily want to be here standing up and speaking out because it comes with a cost, but it's a cost that's worth it. St. Catherine of Siena said it best. We've had enough exhortations to be silent, cry out with a thousand tongues. I see the world is rotten because of silence, unquote. Under Canon 212.2, we have the right and duty to cry out to the hierarchy, which is given to us by Christ. These words are addressed to the bishops, archbishops, and cardinals, active and retired, who are not part of the gay cabal, a.k.a. the American wing of the St. Gallen Mafia. I'm talking to the certified good guy bishops, the bishops who have nurtured a reputation for being conservative and reliable and solid and orthodox. My question is, where are you? How is it that you so-called conservative Orthodox prelates of this country who have an an up-close and all-too-personal relationship with the homosexualists in your ranks, yet you say nothing about the pink elephant in the sanctuary? Shouldn't you certified good guy bishops call your annual meeting the Enough is Enough conference? I've never been to a USCCB swanky fundraiser or a border protest. Talk about politicizing the Eucharist. I've never been privy to behind-closed-door meetings. Like most laymen, all I have is a laptop and internet access. 
And I know the names of the homosexuals that you tolerate, promote, and defend by your silence. We all do. In one way or another, you're still tiptoeing in the shadows of Uncle Ted the Molester. Family trees have their lineage. You can uh, relate it to marriage and you can find out who was born from whom, when, and where. Bishops also have their family trees, which is related to holy orders. Uh, You can learn a lot by looking at a chart to see who consecrated whom, where, and when. The main root of today's corruption was Archbishop Jean Jadot, the apostolic delegate to the U.S. from 73 to 1980. By order of Paul VI, Jadot worked very hard to install prelates in line with his own progressive mindset. His first appointee was Bernard Law of Boston. We know how that ended up. The spotlight crew of the Boston Globe exposed all that evil. And to this day, some conservative Catholics are angry at the media. Let's include Church Militant. Instead of being angry at the abusers and their their superiors who shuffled them around only to destroy more lives. I know we're not supposed to talk about this. But the punishment meted out by John Paul II to Cardinal Law was to let him live in luxury in Rome and serve as the archpriest of Santa Maria Maggiore in Rome, one of the most beautiful churches in the world. Can you say galling? After appointing then-Bishop Bernard Law, Jadot gave us Peter Garrity, Raymond Hunthausen, John Quinn, Kenneth Utner, Matthew Clark, Howard Hubbard, see, I'm, I'm naming them out loud, Roberto Sanchez, Joseph Ferrario, Joseph Hart, William Skylstead, Raymond Lucker, Look these men up. Roger Mahoney, who protected the pedophile priests Michael Wempe and Michael Baker. Jadot's last appointment was the openly gay Rembert Weekland. Episcopal lineage-wise, you can draw a straight line, pardon the pun, between Archbishop Jadot and Uncle Ted McCarrick, the molester, who himself was appointed by Jadot's successor, Archbishop Lagi. McCarrick's brothers, nephews, and cousins include... Donald Cardinal Whirl, Kevin Cardinal Farrell, Joseph Cardinal Tobin, Joseph Cardinal Bernadine, Blaise Cardinal Supich, Wilton Cardinal Gregory, Bishops Robert McElroy and Robert Brom, Bishops uh, Thomas Gummelton, Todd Brown, the late Patrick Zeman, Bishop Anthony B. Taylor, Bishop Edward Weisenberger, Archbishop John Wester, Bishop Joseph Bambera, Monsignor Jeffrey Burrell, the late uh, Father Peter McQuelly, Monsignor Walter Rossi, Father Adam Park, Father Peter Harmon, finally, Archbishop John Stowe of Lexington, Kentucky. One of the bishops who, before the facts came out, quickly threw Nick Sandman under the bus. John Stowe wrote a gay pride prayer for Pride Month last year. I'm glad I'm not using any photos in this talk because a rainbow splashed on a holy card is very upsetting for Catholics. Archbishop John Stowe is the kind of bishop James Martin S.J. would love to become. I'm sorry, I shouldn't give them any ideas. So where are you certified good guy bishops and, our, and uh, archbishops? Will none of you object? What is it exactly that you're afraid of? Mean tweets? Not getting a red hat? Is this why you stayed mum as the beatification of Venerable Fulton Sheen was canceled days before the ceremony by the order of Cardinal Dolan? Is it because you know that Bishop Sheen, who taught the world that life is worth living, is not in vogue? and really is the opposite of the celebrity bishop Robert Barron, but it's too impolitic to say out loud. I know some of you hire good ghostwriters, and you you toss out sternly worded letters to governors, and you write about stepping into the breach, and that's all great. 
but the best way to step into the breach is to step into the breach. Bishops, fathers in Christ, your silence is crushing the Catholic Church. What kind of father won't protect his children? You've made it almost impossible to evangelize while predators are tolerated and heresy is promoted and dissent is celebrated and all we get is pablum about migrants in the environment. Out in the real world, every good Protestant that I know asks me, why am I staying Catholic? Why would anyone want to join the Catholic Church? Excellent question! Certified good guy bishops, I didn't hear any complaints from you when the ridiculous McCarrick report was, was finally uh, released. That embarrassing document exonerates Pope Francis, and it reads like Mr. McCarrick's PR rep wrote it, which it probably was. The reaction of the USCCB was crickets. And now you're going to issue a document on Eucharistic coherence? A document on Eucharistic coherence for Catholics is like throwing advanced calculus at people who don't quite get the multiplication table. No one reads your documents. They're too long, too lame, too little, too late. How about first enforcing Canon 915 and refusing phony Catholics, liquors of the golden calf, like Nancy Pelosi and her nephew Gavin Newsom, Clan Cuomo, John Kerry, Tim Kaine, Sleepy Joe Biden himself, from receiving our blessed Lord's body and blood, soul, and divinity. In other words, maybe start by acting like you believe in the real presence, by protecting our Lord from desecration and protecting the apostates from the mortal sin of sacrilege. How can we believe that you believe what the church teaches when you, all of you, locked up the sacraments for over a year to protect yourselves against a virus with a 99.5% plus recovery rate? You never spoke up when people handled fruits and vegetables in grocery stores with no medical gloves, no hand sanitizers, and yet the Blessed Sacrament, the source and summit of the Christian life, is somehow dangerous to human health. This is not the Catholic faith. This is the health heresy, and you have preached it. Locking out the faithful from the churches follows the same pattern of locking out the victims of sexual predators, either by ignoring their cries, stonewalling them, or paying for their silence. Fear runs all the way to Rome. Deacons and priests are afraid of the pastor. The pastor is afraid of the vicar for clergy. Both are afraid of the bishop. The bishop's afraid of the metropolitan. And the metropolitan is afraid of the nuncio. And the nuncio is afraid of the apparatchiks currently running the Vatican. Well, the word of God says that fear is the opposite of faith. The sheep, especially victims of sexual abuse, deserve what Jesus Christ wants for them. Not wolves, not hired hands, not Pride Month mascots, not PR managers, not rationalist bureaucrats, but brave shepherds. Throw out your democratic talking points. Throw them in the trash. Live the gospel without compromise. If you can't do that, please step aside and resign. There are saintly, manly, courageous priests waiting in the wings to to replace you. And everyone here knows at least one of them. Some of them may be here today. That's really all I have to say, except to all my brothers and sisters gathered in Baltimore and elsewhere. Be a saint. What else is there? Wow. For my the, hero, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this occurred, at the, occurred at the Baltimore, Maryland conference. Patrick Coffin didn't go uh, uh, personally. He sent this video over there, and we played it on a big screen. Most other people went over there. And they gave a live presentation. But I can tell you, um, this was very well received because 
What he did, Paul, he did something that was St. Paul did in the New Testament. People are saying, how dare he call people, call, call bishops names? How dare he do that? Well, let me remind you that St. Paul did the same thing in 2 Timothy yeah. 2.14. He said yeah. this, avoid godless chatter, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk yes. will eat its way like gangrene. Among yes. them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth by holding that the resurrection is past already. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. Call them out by name. Yeah, and then he calls them out an- a- 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 another set by name in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. He says this, quote, Holding faith and a good conscience, certain persons have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have yes. delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So for those oh. of you that say, Patrick Madrid, he crossed the line. He shouldn't have mentioned any bishops' names. No, the New Testament has a clear example. Precedence. Yeah, of mentioning people's names that are making shipwreck of our faith and that are leading people that are swerving from the truth and upsetting the faith of many. It's New Testament precedence. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but not enough uh, of our holy uh, uh, bishops who are faithful are speaking out on this issue. So uh, Pat has done it. Yeah. Yep. We'll continue. Jesus 911. We'll analyze that yeah, statement. I, yeah. I got a few things I want to say. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll be back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Well, thanks be to God that there's many people like Patrick Coffin, ourselves, and many others that are calling out the pink elephant in the sanctuary. Paul, you heard Pat Coffin for nine minutes. What say you about his analysis? Yeah, uh, I loved it when he when he when he said liquors of the golden calf okay yes listen um uh you know there is a a certain subset of people out there you know that get this uh false indignation you know how dare a man like patrick uh you know call you know say the things that he's saying but let me just you know mention a couple things well you know we're familiar there's a saying i like and it says the black devil of unrighteousness has slain its thousands but the white devil of self-righteousness it's tens of thousands. and you see uh we understand that self-righteousness you know we could be blind to that but the question is are we being self-righteous when it comes to uh insisting on uh biblical uh historical teachings of the church and the answer to that is no. I'll tell you a true story, Justin, as an example. Um, there was a guy when I was in the military. And by the way, if you were found to be gay in the military, you were instantly kicked out uh, when I was in there. Uh, uh, of course, that's all changed. But there was a guy and uh, and he uh, we used to talk about the Lord and he, you know, he, he confessed his faith in the Lord. 
And he told me, you know, he said, but, you know, you know, these people they just keep coming over and uh, to my room. Uh, I go, how are they getting on base? And he says, I don't know, but they're getting on base and they're, you know, and they're and, and I and I'm just weak. And I said, I'll tell you what I said, you're my roommate now. Hmm. I said, let's, let's get it set up. You and I are going to be roommates. And I go and I'll answer the door when they come knocking. You know, that's Christian love. That is, so, you know what I mean? That is not somebody, see, I wasn't homophobic. I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, you know, ooh, you got the cooties type uh, situation or whatever. No, I understood that he was a man who wanted to repent, who had weaknesses, and he needed help. And as a brother, I, you know, I was willing to do what I had to do, even uh, uh, in, in order to help him in his walk with Christ. This is... Uh, uh, one of the key things that we need to focus in on here, uh, when uh, you know this group that wants to espouse, you know, uh, like example when the when the Pope was questioned about uh, homosexuals that time, and he says, "Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Let me tell you, you're the vicar of Christ, and the if vicar any, of Christ yeah. must any, make judgments." Yeah, if anybody can judge on planet Earth, it's the vicar of Christ. Yeah, but hey. <laughs> as my memory serves me correctly, didn't he reject that title as Vicar of Christ, Jess? Yes, uh, there was a, an annotation put in, in a Vatican archive with all the Pope's names, and all of them have right next to their name, Vicar of Christ. And uh, yeah, he uh, he omitted, or he refused to put Vicar of Christ next to his name in this Vatican archive where all the, the Popes signed their name. Uh, why did he do that? I don't know, Paul. That's a big question mark, but but that doesn't bode well with me. Well, I'll tell you why. I know it's not a big question mark at all. It's in order to, you know, this idea of this false ecumenism that they want to reach out to everybody. If You know, if you, you know, describe yourself as the vicar of Christ, you know, uh, that kind of implies that, you know, the buck stops with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you know, and this desire all-inclusive and hey we can all come together with our commonalities and worship god however you know our conscience dictates that is a false ecumenism no you must repent that's what archbishop lefebvre said you know you you know uh listen you're undermining every missionary that ever lived when you have that approach why am i laying down my life you know out in the you know in the rainforest you know if if, you know, hey, you know, they can worship Pachamama and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it kind of looks like the virgin pregnant. You know what I mean? This is ridiculousness. And it's high time these people have been called out on it. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. You know what? Re this reminds me when St. Paul said in Second Timothy, chapter three, verse five, he says, he says, treacherous, reckless, swollen and conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here, and he goes, yes. holding the form of religion, but mm. denying the power thereof. Preach. Avoid some people. Avoid such people. This reminds me, Paul, of a lot of the people in the U.S. bishops. Treacherous, swollen with pride, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. They hold a form of religion, but denying the power thereof. St. Paul says, avoid such people, and he warns us, and I think we're here. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own liking to the truth and wander into myths. This is what uh, our Lord would also call the blind leading the blind. People finding teachers to try to tickle their itching ears, trying to accumulate teachers to their own liking. This is what we have right now, Paul. Yes, uh, this is yes. the way that this is the way the chessboard is lining up, and uh, uh, Saint Catherine of Siena, uh, she, talk, she she's one a, a, a doctor of the church who spoke truth to power when the Pope left Rome and for seventy years went to France, Avignon, France. We call that the Avignon Papacy, where the Pope basically abandoned the See of Peter and instead set up shop in France. Saint Catherine of Siena rebuked the Pope. And told him, go back to Rome. That's where the successor of Peter must go. And St. Catherine of Siena said this, quote, we've, had, we've had enough exhortations to be silent. Cry out with a thousand tongues. I see the world is rotten because of hmm. silence. St. Catherine of Siena. Wow. You know, Jess, um, in reality... When you embrace liberalism, and this is all really, it boils down to back what we talked about on previous shows, just another form of liberalism. But in reality, division is caused by liberals who try to mix oil and water. Uh, you know, they don't mix very well, as we know. And sacred scripture gives us a hint when it says, for what fellowship hath darkness to do with the light? Um, uh, come out from amongst them. Sacred Scripture says, be ye separate. You see, listen, it's not about, listen, if you're struggling with a particular sin and you have a propensity and a weakness toward, you know, homosexual relationships, as long as you profess and understand that when you act out your, uh, your, your uh, lust desires that you are offending God and that you must seek out a priest and uh, receive the sacrament of uh, uh, reconciliation. You must you must confess your sins before you can even approach the altar of God. If you don't do that, if you don't realize that, Jess, uh, then, uh, uh, you know, I don't want you next to me in the pew because uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Even a Protestant preacher once said, you know, oh, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a, 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 a priest who gave a great homily on abortion. And in his homily, he says, listen, there is never an excuse for an abortion, even under the circumstances of rape. He says, uh, even under rape, he says that child is innocent and it has nothing to do with the sin of that, you know, the man who did what he did. And, you know, a couple got up, Jess, and they walked out of church. They were offended by that. But listen, sometimes when you preach the truth, it offends. And like I was going to mention, uh, a Protestant preacher once said, you must have, you first have to, to empty a church before you can fill it. In other words, you give them the truth, Jess, because if you give them the truth, uh, the people who are going to be there are going to be there committed to the truth. If you, if you start preaching niceties and 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 things that tickle the ear you're going to get a you might fill the church up in this world but guess what quality wise you know quantity wise you might be doing good but qualitatively you are going to have a bunch of nothing 
sitting in those pews. We're going to have uh, some uh, a bunch of people who are ineffective and a bunch of people who are lukewarm, as Jesus said. And if you are, I would be that you are hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's right. Amen. Paul, when I look at the bishops, because at, at, I was at the Enough is Enough rally, and I look at the way they're, they're, they're just silent in the face of many evil politicians. Yeah. It, remi- it reminds me of what Ezekiel the prophet said, chapter 318. He goes, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at Whoa. your hand. Wow. But if you warn the wicked... And he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Bishops, hear the words of Ezekiel the prophet. Save your soul by confronting the wicked men in our midst. And they are legion, especially in politics, in the White House and in Congress. Pope Francis, heed the words of Ezekiel the prophet. There are many wicked people in the Roman Curia. Uh, yes. Confront them, Pope Francis, to save your life, as Ezekiel yes. the prophet says so. Yes, yes. Listen, take the road of the prophets, because uh, as when Saint Stephen, before he was martyred, as you suggest, he gave a he went through a litany of the saints, and he talked about how the Sanhedrin and and the, and the and how they constantly persecuted the people of God, constantly. And now this Jesus, his blood is on your hands again. You know, this is, you know, uh, if you're listening out there and you've been called to the, you know, uh, you know, to be the vocation of, uh, of uh, a bishop in our church and you have a sphere of influence, you have been entrusted to that position by God Prove yourself to be faithful. Uh, defend uh, 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 truth. Stand with the truth. I, uh, you know, Jess. That's a, uh, I, I'm right there with you, Jess. A plea, a plea. Save your soul. That's right. Again, and 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 I think the reason a lot of them are silent is because again, going back to the the quote of Saint Jerome back in the fourth century, Saint Jerome says, "It is rare to find a heretic that loves chastity." In wow. other words. I think a lot of them are quiet in the face of evil because they're unchaste. That's what St. Jerome would say. All right. That's a wrap. Jesus 911, two-man car. We're E-O-W, end of watch. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. We'll see you guys next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.